are listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, November the 14th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith, as we take a look at a wonderful hymn entitled, The Day is Surely Drawing Near. And you can hear the first two stanzas right now. the tune of the day is surely drawing near actually around 1565 it was an anonymous german hymn about the last judgment was published we're not sure who wrote it the sequence a chance a chant sung between the epistle and gospel confronted its hearers with the terrors of the final judgment. The first verse of the original hymn, Day of wrath, O day of mourning, see fulfill the prophet's warning, heaven and earth in ashes burning. This was 19 verses long and ended with a tearful plea that the guilty might be spared because of Christ's suffering on the cross. In 1599, Pastor Bartholomew's Ringwald died, but evidently before he died, he felt that the German hymn did not have the right emphasis. So he rewrote the hymn, and it has appeared in numerous hymnals. In a day when popular opinion about the last day is almost drawn automatically from the book of Revelation, this hymn begins with the mature corrective of printing of the words to our Lord in Matthew 24 and 25. That fright shall banish idle mirth. So this is a hymn that was rewritten uh, for the purpose of making it more biblical. I'm Tom Baker, and Mark Smith is with me. What's your thinking of this hymn, Mark? It's a good hymn. 
I I wish the melody were a little bit better, but you know the words are the words are great, and they really do sober us and uh, urge us to uh, always be prepared. Which you know this time of the year, and also in Advent, we we want to always be prepared for the Lord's second coming. And how are we prepared? By being strong in the Word and sacrament. Excellent. Being spiritually through, awake. Through faith. Exactly. Right. right. So the hymn we have in our hymnal has seven stanzas. So without further ado, would you please read the first one? Sure will. The day is surely drawing near when Jesus, God's anointed, in all his power shall appear as judge whom God appointed. Then fright shall banish idle mirth, and flames on flames shall ravage earth, as Scripture long has warned us. Yes, the day is surely drawing near. Notice when Jesus, God's anointed, uh, that word in the original Hebrew is what? The anointed Chris. one, that would, be, that would be the Messiah. Exactly. And he is therefore the Christ, which is the Greek translation for anointed. Right, Christos. And in all his power shall appear as judge whom God appointed. Now, I, I think that's interesting because if you ask most people which person of the Trinity will be the judge on Judgment Day, most of them will answer God the Father. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but we're very fortunate that the judge that God has appointed is none other than Jesus Christ, who is at the same time our advocate and defender, our Redeemer. Then, how does fright banish idle mirth? What does that mean? Well, um, I'm trying to think which one of the lessons for this Sunday uh, talks about, um, oh, the attitude of, oh, God will not do good, he will not do bad. In other words, the, uh, you know, they're not expecting anything much as far as judgment. And uh, they're going to they're going to be sadly mistaken. And uh, uh, when he comes again, uh, fright uh, the world. The world will be they'll there'll be no mistaking who this is coming again in the clouds. And they will be if they're not in Christ, they will be scared to death. Scripture talks about uh, the the non-believer saying, "I wish that the mountains could cover me and the hills cover me." Yes, the Old Testament reading is from Zephaniah chapter 1, and here's what verses 14 say. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry, 
against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. Now that's, of course, referring to those who are unbelievers. That's not a good day. No. I don't know how much you're hearing on, do you go to YouTube very much and listen to sermons? No, not too much, Tom. Yeah. I spend a lot of time watching Fox News, of course. <laughs> yes. Well, I find it interesting. I just had another one yesterday about a Jewish rabbi talking about that Israel is God's land here on earth, and it will be the heaven on earth. And he's talking about the actually country. And what they do, they take all the verses to Abraham, for example, that yeah. they will be returned from exile, and they think it's talking about the Jerusalem here on earth. Whereas if you go to the New Testament, the new Israel is the Holy Christian Church. Exactly. Not the land right. of Israel, not Jews. Uh, it can be Jews and Gentiles. That's right. Anyone who is a believer all is who, we're all We're all sons of Abraham by faith. Yes. In contrast to sons of Abraham by descending from him. Right. That doesn't help anybody. No. And, and so they never mention Jesus when they're talking. And these are Christian pastors thinking that God's going to come to Jerusalem and live there eternally or for a thousand years, depending on their, and, and our people need to be aware of that. We may talk more about that on, on Friday, uh, but we'll see. So there's no doubt that people's fright will come about because they think they're saved by their good works and they will discover that they are not. So I'll read Sansa 2. The final trumpet then shall sound, and all the earth be shaken, and all who rest beneath the ground shall from their sleep awaken. But all who live will in that hour, by God Almighty bound, I think we've, we're trying to reestablish the line with Pastor Baker. I think he left off where it says, but all who live will in that hour, by God's almighty boundless power, be changed at his commanding. That's, you know, that's exactly what the, what the scripture says. Uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, but we who remain, uh, all, who, all who are living in that hour, by God's almighty boundless power be changed. We'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the, at the sound of the last trump. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And we are admonished to, to comfort one another with those, uh, those sure words, those sure promises. Uh, the next verse the books are opened then to all, a record truly telling what each has done, both great and small. 
when he on earth was dwelling, and every heart be clearly seen, and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. That, of course, stresses that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll all, all appear before his judgment. But, uh, and of course, uh, the books will be opened. Um, everything will be made known as far as uh, the, the sins of unbelievers. But uh, it's stressed that we who believe in Jesus Christ, there will be no, no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. That's the comfort that we Christians uh, uh, cling to. Uh, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But the good news that we Christians have is there will be no condemnation uh, for them that are in Christ Jesus. What were you doing? What verse? I was just finishing... I was just finishing the third verse, talking, the, we, we went over the third verse a little bit. The, book, the books are being open, a record shall truly telling that what each has done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. You know, the question, Tom, the question that I often get, and maybe you've got it too, um, we're told that there'll be no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. But, you know, we're also told that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Will all of our sins, even though there'll be no condemnation, will all of our sins be exposed at that time? What do you think? Um, if they were exposed in such a way to make us sad, that's not going to be happening because we're right. supposed to be in perfect bliss. That's right. That's what I've always called so, to. I think they're exposed to the fact that the more we realize how much we've sinned, the more thankful we are to Jesus, the more joyous we are. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I, you know, those passages that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and particularly us pastors, you know, we uh, we're responsible for uh, for the, for those that have been entrusted to us. Um, yes. I I think there's a lot of pastors that are that are kind of worried that oh boy all the mistakes I've made in the ministry are those all going to be exposed for all to see. Mistakes are not sending you to hell. It's verse four that tells us why you go to hell. Let me read that. Un- then woe yes. to those who scorned the Lord and sought but carnal pleasures who here despised his precious word and loved their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling they will stand, and at the judge's stern command to Satan be delivered. So I think verse 4 explains verse 3, that we're talking about those who have scorned the Lord. What does it mean to have scorned the Lord? Oh, another word I think is used is spurn, uh, S-P-U-R-N, uh, to to have want nothing to do with the Lord, to yep. reject Him. And that means they're rejecting the Word. That's right. how you reject the Lord. Yeah, and by rejecting... 
the word, his word, uh, you're rejecting the eternal word, Jesus himself, the word made flesh. Exactly. And therefore, they sought but carnal pleasures. In, in fact, they did things in order to make themselves look good. And that occurs uh, among the pastors also. Yes. They, they set themselves up as more important than anyone else in the congregation. And that's not true because there are people in the congregation that are also going to be saved and are as righteous as the pastor and sometimes better workers in the life of sanctification. Okay. Stanza five, please. All right. My Savior paid the debt I owe, and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life, I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. I believe that's the best stanza in talking about the gospel. Yeah, that is really the, that's the heart of the gospel right there. You you are right. And we need to help people understand there is no evidence for this gospel except in the Bible. That's the only right. place you find it. Right. Now, there is evidence for the law because the law accuses people of being sinners And you cannot find one person in the world who does not sin. So the doctrine of original sin, we have plenty of evidence for that. But the idea that when Jesus was on the cross, he was paying the debt for my sin, that's not found anywhere outside of Scripture. But it sure sound, it's, it's found in Scripture where, where Jesus says, it is finished. Yeah. And told, Father, forgive them for... They know not what they do. That's right. Exactly. And that verse is really the comfort when you go to a hospital and visit a shut-in or somebody about to have surgery. It says, I will not doubt... For I am free. Now, I began a sermon once asking this question. Put your hand up if you're free from sin. And you know how many people put their hand up? (laughs) Probably not too many. Nobody. None. Yes. They thought that free from sin meant that you don't sin anymore. Whereas Romans makes it very clear when it talks about being free from sin is that we're free from the negative consequences of sin in heaven. We daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment. That's right, yes. Exactly. Temporal and eternal. But we don't get the eternal. I thought of another evidence in Scripture, Tom, that uh, and that would be the, the curtain in the temple torn in two. Uh, at the same time, pretty much the same time as Jesus cried out, it is finished. Yeah. And that meant, you know, 
I can't believe how many commentaries say that that means that we can now go into the Holy of Holies. No, it means that God left the Holy of Holies, and the temple is no longer where the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God instead is in you. You have become the temple of the Lord. Yeah. That's Don't you think it also means, Tom, that we can now, we now, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. And that exactly. way has now been blasted open uh, by, by Jesus' death on the cross. Well, there is no way anymore. It's not been blasted open. It, even if they rebuilt the temple right now, there's still no way to Christ through the temple. Like there yeah, was. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, but he does say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. He still is the way. He's the only way. Right. And he's still... But he he's still... is referring to Jesus. Right. Okay. Right. Stanza six, please. Okay. May Christ our intercessor be... And through his blood and merit, read from his book that we are free with all who life inherit. Then we shall see him face to face with all his saints in that blessed place which he has purchased for us. What's so important about seeing him face to face? That's the uh, what we call the beatific vision, Tom. Excellent, excellent. We'll see and him. We'll see him in all of his glory. And that's not possible for human beings on earth. Jesus said he was the only one who saw the Father. Yeah. No, Even mortal... when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he saw the backside of God. Right. He didn't see him face to face. Yeah, first this mortal must put on immortality before we can stand before our Lord and see him face to face. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, got just a brief glimpse of him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And that pretty much uh, kind of, uh, you could tell they were almost stunned with the, with the glory of God. When you say a glimpse of him, who's the him? I would say Jesus, the transfigured yeah, Lord. the Father. Yeah, no. we were talking about the Father here. Right, okay. And so they didn't see the Father, but they heard from the Father. What did he say on the Mount of Transfiguration? This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. That's the important part. And that means from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, we listen to Jesus. That's right. So... This hymn, talking about how we're going to be free, then ends on a good note in verse 7. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. O hear and grant our fervent plea, come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. What does it mean we often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation? Well, 
you know, we still fear death. People, you know, people sometimes, am I not a Christian? Am I not a believer because I'm still afraid of death? No, that's uh, that's our old Adam. And our old Adam, of course, uh, because of our old Adam, we, we tremble along the way. We, we fear the future uh, when things are not going as well as we'd yeah. like in, in the world or in our own life. We tremble. Yes, I'll never rem- uh, forget about one of my members who found out she had incurable cancer. And I had to visit with her a number of times, giving her comfort because she was really afraid. Yeah. And then I had left the church and uh, joined with Concordia Mission Society. And I got a call from her family that she was on her deathbed. And when I visited her, uh, before she died, and I went to the place where she was at, and I didn't know what I was going to say because I knew how afraid she was of death. Yes. And I came up to her bed, and the members were our friends, family of standing around, and she looked up at me and she says, Pastor Tom, I'm going home. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, she was she say. was ready. She was indeed ready. Boy. Yes. The word of God had stopped her trembling in fear and tribulation. And therefore, she was ready to see the mighty judge who will set her free from death and every evil. You see a lot of people you you said it during this program. They see their sin and they don't think they're worthy enough to go to heaven. That actually is correct. We are not worthy enough. But how do we become worthy? In Christ. By our baptism, even. Yes. Like, but isn't, you know, Tom, isn't it, isn't it comforting? You, you mentioned this, this woman uh, in her, on her deathbed. Isn't that a comfort that she could speak of heaven as her home? You know, she. Yes. You could tell the fear of death was gone. She was. She was going restfully and peacefully, uh, going home. What more yes. comforting word could you call heaven? In fact, that is the promise that God makes to Abraham when He talks about He's going to have an eternal home. He's not talking about the land of Canaan or what we refer to as Israel. He's talking about the holy Christian Church is the new Israel. And that's what we're going to. So thanks very much for helping us with this hymn. The day is surely drawing near, and it's the hymn for the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. I'm Tom Baker. You heard from Pastor Mark Smith. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be looking at the book of Proverbs again. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. 
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.